Welcome to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker, presented by Allen Electric. And now, here's T.J. Walker. Hello, everybody. Happy Thursday to you. It is a big day here on 1450, the Sports Buzz. Lots to talk about. Kentucky lands Jamal Murray. An unbelievable turn of events for the Cats because it had seemed, and we talked about it on the show yesterday, you hadn't really heard one way or the other, but what you did hear was Oregon may have a slight lead, and you didn't hear anything from Kentucky, and that's generally not always a good thing. As it turned out, Kentucky didn't necessarily know where they stood with Jamal Murray heading into that decision, and they land him. Uh, Now it, it changes the whole dynamic of Kentucky's team, the entire outlook of next season. We'll talk plenty about that today. It is also NBA draft night, and... Seven Kentucky hopefuls will will sweat it out tonight. I think it's probably safe to say at least five of them will be drafted. Uh, two may be up in the air, but we're going to have Brett Dawson on, my boss at CapTillustrated.com, and he will we'll talk NBA. We'll talk a little UK, but uh, when it comes to NBA, uh, he knows his stuff. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk to UK players in the NBA. Also, two Louisville players may go in the first round too. So uh, there's going to be a lot of Kentucky flavor in the NBA draft tonight, again, one of my favorite non-sporting event, non-live sporting events uh, of the year. So look forward to talking about that. Louisville football gets some new uniforms, and we'll we'll at least have to talk about that a little bit. I guess we'll hop right into it. Uh, no Trevor today. They're doing an on-location later on the show, so that will make today's show just a just a five o'clock. So just an hour. It'll be a throwback. On a throwback Thursday, we'll go back to the uh, the old format where we're only on an hour. So only an hour today, but it'll it'll fly by with how much there is to, to talk about. Uh, and I wanted to get in the Louisville football uniforms, but Captain Arctic tweets in, wasted no time, wants to has a question. If if all of the below were available, who would UK most like to have? How would you rank them in terms of our needs? And he lists Brandon Ingram, Steven Zimmerman, Malik Newman, Jalen Brown, Czech Diallo, Caleb Swanigan, and Jamal Murray. So basically, of all the people that Kentucky missed out on and the one that they did hit late in the year, Jamal Murray, who's the most important? Is getting Jamal Murray the best-case scenario for Kentucky out of all those guys? It's it's hard to say, and you know this is all as it turns out to be hypothetical. But out of the guard options, which really is just Malik Newman, I would take Jamal Murray over Malik Newman if I'm Kentucky, and, I, I'll, and I'll, I'd be happy about that. I'd probably take him over Antonio Blankney as well, another guy that UK missed on uh, earlier this season. Jamal Murray, I, I really feel, is one of the best guards available, if not the best guard uh, in the class. I, I do think he's probably better than Isaiah Briscoe if I had to pick between the two. Uh, if I could only have one for the duration of the season, Isaiah Briscoe may be better right now, and that's still up for debate. Uh, but Jamal Murray, I, I have no doubts by March, he he will be the best guard in college basketball, and that's what Kentucky landed. But that being said, uh, out of Steven Zimmerman, nah. Check Diallo, he would bring some shot blocking, but he, he'd basically just be a, a Marcus Lee clone for the most part. So it, it'd be nice if Kentucky had, I mean, you know, for all these guys, if Kentucky landed them, uh, UK would have been thrilled, fans would have been thrilled, and rightfully so, but Captain Arctic, you're making us pick just one. Uh, 
So check Diallo. He he isn't different enough from Marcus Lee where he'd make a difference. Steven Zimmerman, he'd still be behind probably Marcus Lee, Alex Poitras, and Scalabissier on the front court. So eh, throw him out. Uh, Caleb Swanigan, he he's good. And I would take probably Swanigan over Check Diallo and Steven Zimmerman because he's just a monster rebounder and can also score on the block. Uh, and then you really get some muscle into that front line, which may be the only thing that the front line's missing right now. Uh, but I'd, if, if you had to pick between Swanigan and Jamal Murray, you, you'd, you'd pick Jamal Murray. So that leaves, uh, like I said, that leaves Brandon Ingram and Jalen Brown. And, and I think maybe both of these two guys you, pit, you, you would take over Jamal Murray if you, if you could pick any of them. Just because Kentucky does already have two guards, two point guards in Tyler Uless and Isaiah Briscoe, and Ingram and Brown are both true threes, true wing players. Ingram, an unbelievable scorer. Jalen Brown, an unbelievable athlete. And, and I'm not going to say that Jalen Brown's not a team player because by all accounts I've heard that he is. I'm not going to say that about Brandon Ingram because I, I don't think he's going to have any issues at Duke. Uh, but Jamal Murray is just a, by all accounts, his coaches, his dad, he, he really does seem like a, a selfless guy. I had a quote from one of his coaches that I, I want to pull up, but I don't have it right in front of me. When talking about Jamal Murray, he said he's a guy that uh, says, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, uh, no, ma'am, will shake your shake your hand and look you in the eyes. Uh, a great student, very honest uh, and personable. He just he seems like a great kid. So although I think maybe on next year's team you could make a case that Jalen Brown and Brandon Ingram would be better fits, uh, you don't complain at all about landing Jamal Murray, and I, and you could I, you may even go as far as saying Jamal Murray will end up being more talented than Jalen Brown or Brandon Ingram, but but UK will be missing a true three next year, and you are going to have to play Murray or Briscoe or even Charles Matthews out on the wing, and that's not their natural position, but it'll work out and it'll be fine. Captain Arctic says that that's what he wanted to hear. He can live with Murray being one of the top three of the bunch. And again, and then, you know, I'm sure he wrote that before I had just said what I just said, that talent-wise, Murray, you could make a case for him. You know, if you were starting a team fresh, you may make a case to take Jamal Murray over anybody, any of those guys that you listed. Uh, but with this Kentucky team, they are – Kentucky is missing a true three, uh, and both Brandon Ingram and obviously Jalen Brown are true threes. But you don't complain at all about landing Jamal Murray. What a surprise it was. He comes out – wearing a Canadian cape, which really was just a flag wrapped around like a cape. But it was a uh, an interesting look for Jamal Murray had and then had a zip-up sweater underneath the cape, unzipped that, and was wearing a, a, a U.K. dress shirt with a U.K. tie. And I know it gets hot, uh, or I know it gets cold in Canada, but I imagine he had to be pretty toasty wearing all that for the time that he was on TSN and Sports Center that is spelled differently than the sports center we're used to here in America. Uh, C-E-N-T-E-R sounds right. They do it T-R-E, as I'm sure if you watched the live stream yesterday, you noticed, uh, and it was funny leading into the show, they start the show talking Blue Jays baseball, and they break down this game for 10 minutes. Uh, I, I think they won one nothing over the Rays, and they break down that game like it was a World Series win. And then they go into hockey talk which the Stanley Cup just finished. And guess what? The Stanley Cup didn't include any teams in Canada, but they were talking co- hockey, and they weren't going to stop for nothing. 
And then they talk Women's World Cup, Canada. The Women's World Cup is in Canada. I can understand them talking about that. Uh, but then they lead into the Jamal Murray announcement. And that, that's going to be one of those things for Kentucky fans. You're going to remember when Jamal Murray committed to UK and uh, UK fans were telling me it just feels good to win one again. They had kind of forgotten that feeling. And I will say back, you're incredibly spoiled. And how did you forget that feeling when John Calipari just has, has, has been on the winning end of those announcements forever. But what have you done for me lately? UK has missed out like captain Arctic listed on just a handful of targets. So uh, I can understand UK fans being happy, and this does provide a little bit of momentum heading into now what will be a very dry month. There's not going to be a lot to talk about with UK basketball except predicting the season, uh, playing out different lineups, although I think I could do that in 10 seconds, and, and kind of just talking talking predictions and, and all that good stuff. Uh, but it is more of a positive vibe than it has been. And this, I don't have to tell you guys that when UK season ended, it seemed like the most depressing end of all time. And then you miss out on a lot of recruits. UK fans felt like they were being kicked while they're down. Now they get the last laugh heading into the season. This Kentucky team, without a doubt in my mind, it, it should be preseason number one. It, I, I, You can't name a starting five that's better out there. And if you do and you want to debate it with me, you're not going to win that debate. There's not a better five than what UK is going to put out on the court. And that's saying, you know, that's assuming Alex Poitras is 100% healthy. And if you're wondering what's the starting five, it should without a doubt be Tyler Eulis, Isaiah Briscoe, Jamal Murray, Alex Poitras at the four, and Scott Labissier at the five. That's your starting five. You bring Marcus Lee, the first guy off the bench. Uh, you can get creative on how you bring him in. You could actually bring him in for one of the guards and obviously move Alex Poitras at the three, although I think he's a lot better, like everybody does, at the four. Uh, and move Marcus Lee at the four and then Scalabissier at the five. So you're going to have options. Marcus Lee will be the first off the bench, and you'll also have you'll have Michael Mulder, Charles Matthews, and Dominic Hawkins all kind of uh, tussling for for some playing time there. But I, I do think it's going to be a much smaller rotation. Obviously a lot smaller than last year, but it's going to be more rotation that John Calipari likes to play where he only goes seven deep. And while the bench, there may be some better benches out there, but even if there are better benches out there, you're bringing Marcus Lee, who's a McDonald's All-American off the bench. You're bringing Charles Matthews, who is a Jordan Brand Classic off the uh, All-Star off the bench. Dominic Hawkins, who shined in the NCAA tournament and has played in uh, a Final Four and a national championship game, he'd be coming off the bench. You have a Juco who averaged 17, 18 points a game, shot 46% from three. He'd be coming off. So I still think the bench is pretty good. It's still a little thin up in the front court, but still a very talented lineup. Should be preseason number one, in my opinion. Uh, now the debate on whether or not UK gets the, the 2015 number one recruiting class for rivals. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Eric Bossy, the national recruiting analyst, told me that he is going to think it over. It's between Kentucky and Duke. Uh, Duke's is really good. I think they've got four players in the top 25. Kentucky's going to have uh, three in the top 12 to 15. I don't know if Kentucky's better. You can make a case. You can make a case for Duke's. Uh, but I am excited that those two teams are going to play each other at the at, at, in the beginning of the year in November in Chicago, the Champions Classic. That will be fun. Duke, the defending national champions. Kentucky, the best team at last season. 
despite not winning the title, going at it when they both ha- are bringing in just unbelievable recruiting classes. There's no hotter names on the recruiting circuit than Calipari and Coach K at Duke. Uh, so I-, I wish, you know, you never want to wish away days. Uh, but if there was a fast forward button to November in that game, maybe you press it just for that match and maybe rewind uh, to to present day. Captain Arctic says this would be the time where Trevor Kelsey would bring up Scout possibly being ineligible. I have, and you know that that's that brings up a, a good a good point. Not a good point about him being ineligible, but I have had a lot of Kentucky fans ask, text, tweet, and and on the message board wonder what's going to come of that is he cleared uh what's the ncaa say whether or not he's been cleared he's he's been cleared by the ncaa to accept a scholarship and and go to kentucky now they're going to they haven't even started as far as i'm concerned the whether or not he his amateur status has been jeopardized process that will be something in itself and if you believe i think it was gary Parrish's report on cbs from way back when back in November, that the NCAA was already starting to collect dirt. I don't think that's true. That's not really the NCAA style to do that, so I don't think that's necessarily true. But they will look into it. At some point this summer, they are going to look into it. And they're going they're gonna they're gonna do their dil- due diligence to make sure uh, he he is squeaky clean. But they also are gonna have to find concrete evidence that his guardian accepted money and and it's worth mentioning and i've said it time after time on this show it's worth mentioning that scal's a great kid uh he he's very polite uh he 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 really seems to have his priorities straight his guardian is the one that's the troublemaker uh, and the one who'd be in the wrong in this situation now unfortunately even if his guardian does do some things, some shady things that can reflect on Scalabissier's eligibility. But it's not like Scal is some sleazebag who's demanding money from uh, high schools and AUs. It's not him. It's his guardian. But uh, you're right, Captain Arctic. Without a doubt, Trevor would have brought that up, and I'm glad we took some time uh, to mention it. Like I said, here at the end of this first segment, which we still have some time, we're going to have Brett Dawson on to to talk about the NBA draft, it's a huge night for for everybody, for everybody in, in college basketball or overseas who are finally going to have their dreams realized. Uh, but especially in Kentucky, and I had I, I've had a few people, and, and obviously they're Louisville fans, and how they've gone about bringing this up to me in the last two days have been different. But one respect uh, in a very in a very pleasant, respectable way texted me and said, "Hey, I was talking with it, and this is." I, this isn't verbatim, but he said, I was talking to an Alabama fan and we got to talking about how Alabama and football and, and Kentucky basketball are so similar in so many ways. But one big difference is Alabama fans don't hang their hats on NFL success. Uh, they like to see their players drafted, obviously, but they don't make a big deal about it. And that's where they differ from Kentucky fans. And, and I can't help but think that that Alabama fan must have been thinking John Calipari's comments that five or five or six years ago, that was the greatest night, I guess it was five years ago, the greatest night in Kentucky basketball history. That's He must have heard that, seen those headlines on Twitter, on different newspapers, this and that, and he must be thinking, wow, they really care about that up here. But anybody that is invested in Kentucky, uh, Kentucky basketball that covers the team, or even as a fan, hopefully they're smart enough to realize that 
Kentucky fans love to see their players get drafted. They love to follow them in the NBA. It makes them proud. It's like a, a proud parent uh, seeing seeing their kid go on to do great things. It's UK fans think, yeah, we had him before he was a big star, uh, and, and look at what he's doing now. And they feel that exact same way with Anthony Davis and John Wall. But I don't think any Kentucky fan hangs their hat on the idea they're going to get more players drafted. It's, it's like an added bonus. And the way I, I explained it out to this guy to tell his friend, the Alabama fan, was, listen, any Kentucky fan, any of them, and all seven of these guys could have came back for an extra year, any of them would have said, yes, I would love for them to come back. And that's just a no-brainer. But when they make that decision that they're going to go, as a Kentucky fan, you can either, either say, yeah, okay, they're gone, I don't care. Or you can say, okay, well, they're leaving, they're doing what's best for them, I hope everything works out for them, I'm going to follow their careers. And I'd say 92% go with the latter. They're going to follow these guys in, in their careers. So, what else can you do at that point? They're leaving the school, there's nothing you can do, they, they, they're not coming back, so you might as well support them, and if not support them, at least follow them. Now, if you're a Kentucky fan and you're going to go out to the bars tonight and when UK gets seven players drafted, you're going to you're, you're going to brag about it to all your friends, well, maybe you need to take a, a bit of a step back. It's cool for Kentucky, but you know why it's cool for Kentucky? It's because it helps recruiting. And when John Calipari says all that nonsense, it's all it is is nonsense, but he's not talking to you and me. He's not talking to the sports talker. He's talking to 16- and 17-year-old kids who their entire life have taken a basketball, gone out on their driveway, headed up to the park, and dreamed about playing in the NBA. He's talking to those guys, saying, hey, at our program, we care about your next stop as much as we care about when you're going to be here. And John Calipari may mean that, but it's not going to be the best night in UK basketball program history. But the kid might believe it. His parent, who has who has driven him and taken him to basketball practice for the, for the first... 15 years he's been playing basketball. 14 years he's been playing basketball. I don't think they have basketball practices for two-year-olds now that I think about it. But has been a part of, of this basketball process. She cares about, mom cares about what John Calipari is saying when he's talking about the NBA. So it's just a big recruiting ploy. And again, Kentucky fans should be proud. But I don't think any Kentucky fan is going to hang a banner saying we had these this many players drafted. We're a better program than you because we have this many players drafted. Kentucky's a better program than uh, your other program, any other program, because they have more wins. And they, and they have second, the second most national championships and a, uh, a handful of Final Fours, and especially recently. They've been good in virtually every decade. Kentucky's not the best program because they send the best players to the pros. It's an added bonus. But I don't think any Kentucky fan is getting incredibly worked up over the idea that they're they're sending more guys to the pro. Captain Arik says he really wants to hear your thoughts on how Luke Kennard got away. I think he could be one of the best college players ever. Oh, Captain Arik, quit. And, of course, Luke Kennard is from Ohio, not too far from Kentucky. Uh, his dad, who has been one of the most pleasant guys I've ever had the the privilege of covering in a recruitment and talking to, uh, was just fantastic. He's a huge Kentucky fan. I remember the first time talking to him when Luke Kennard was offered. Uh, he almost cried on the phone. He was so happy. His dad was. And uh, here's the deal. Luke Kennard, his cousin, who I'm friends with, went to Kentucky. Luke would come and visit him all the time. Enjoyed everything about UK. He liked Kentucky. 
Uh, but he went down and visited Duke, and this is what they say about Duke. It, it's this weird, weird fraternity. It's just closed off from the world fraternity where if you're not Duke, then you're not you're not squat. That's the way. That's the mentality that they think. Uh, it's a very close knit. They 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 love each other. I mean, they they really do. And if if you didn't have a Duke background, if you're not Duke growing up, they don't really care about you. And that's on the team. And some people go down there and they fall in love with it. Everything they see, everything it looks good. Yes, it's a small school. Yes, it's a bunch of nerds. Uh, the campus life might not be as good, but that's okay because Duke basketball is this weird sort of. Uh, you almost even can't explain it. It's just such a, the, 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 it's almost a brainwashing, and either you love it or you can't stand it. Luke Kennard absolutely loved it, fell in love. Once he went down there, he, he almost announced instantly. He called Coach K and just to tell him to his face that he wanted to be a Duke player. Patrick Patterson, on the other hand, he, he went down to Duke, visited, hated it. I think he had a quote where he said, they're just a different different types of dudes down there. And they are. But you like it or you don't. And Luke Kennard loved it. Uh, so it, 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 is, it is a tough break for Kentucky. Luke Kennard's going to be a really good shooter. I think he's going to do some good things at the next level. He might have a J.J. Redick-type career where uh, he's, he seems really obnoxious because he's always scoring. And uh, obviously, you know, he's a white dude and it seems like people don't like white, successful college basketball players. Um, so he might have that effect on college basketball. I'll never root against him because uh, he, do, he, is, he does seem like such a good kid. But, you know, he just Kentucky basketball wasn't for him. It wasn't for a lack of effort from John Calipari. But here's the thing. If you get Luke Kennard, you're probably not getting Jamal Murray. And guess what? Jamal Murray's better. He's a lot better. You might only have him for a year. But if Kentucky wins a national title next season, who gives a hoot? So we're going to head to commercial break. When we come back, we're going to have Brett Dawson on, CatsIllustrated.com. We're going to talk about the NBA draft, where guys are going to go, even some trade rumors. Uh, plenty to talk about. So we'll be right back here on 1450 Sports Bus. You're listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker. I'm a maniac, maniac on the floor, and I'm dancing like I've never danced before. Yeah. On 1450, the Sports Buzz. Did you eat a lot of paint chips when you were a kid? <laughs> Why? She's a maniac, maniac. We're back here, 1450, the Sports Buzz. Wait. No time bringing in my boss from CatsIllustrated.com, Brett Dawson. Brett, how are you? I'm doing great, TJ. Where does this day rank for you in terms of sports events during the season? Well, I mean, during the during what during the summer, it's, it's number one probably. Um, uh, you know, it doesn't compare to like an actual day of an NBA playoffs where you got a game or multiple games. Um, but, but as far as like summertime stuff, it's, it's the best. Once the NBA playoffs are over, this is the best day until NBA opening day. I, I'll say I'm not as big as an NBA fan as you, although I do like NBA. No day gets me more excited about the NBA than probably today, with the exception of maybe opening day and then when the playoffs start. My excitement level kind of peaks today and then it'll go back down over the next few months, but not much is going on. 
Uh, but there's so many trades. It's kind of the, the landscape of basketball in the NBA can change solely based on this night. Yeah, it's, that's why it's the best draft, too. I mean, I know there are people who like the NFL draft. I don't really understand that because, to me, that, that thing is just too prolonged. And there's also you're going to get, like, offensive linemen from Iowa who you don't really know who they are. And it, it's, while you might know that your team needs an offensive lineman and that's a good offensive lineman, it's just really different from a draft that, first of all, only has a few hours, um, only has two rounds. You're going to know, outside of some of the European guys, you're going to know most of those players, and it's really easy to kind of project how each player is going to fit with the team you like or with the team that, that takes them. So you're, you're just, it's just easier to be familiar with not only the draftees, but the personnel. Um, you can get a really good sense tonight of how much better a team got. Uh, and then also when you get trades and things like that, it's really exciting. And it's always fun to watch Adrian Wojnarowski break uh, draft picks on Twitter. Uh, how do you do that? Are you on your phone during it, or, or do you not like to have it spoiled and watch it strictly on TV and stay off the phone? No, I like to watch the broadcast, but I follow along on Twitter, so I'm okay with knowing in advance uh, who it's going to be. Uh, I know that this year ESPN is going to let their reporters break draft picks beforehand, um, so I think in most cases we're probably going to know uh, who's getting drafted in each spot. I don't think there will be a whole lot of surprises um, when Adam Silver goes up to speak. But that's okay with me. I, I kind of like the way that operates. I, the, the draft, the last draft I covered was in 2012, and that's the first time I got to meet Wojnarowski, who, who I know a little bit and who I've kept in touch with. I talked to before then, and I've talked to quite a bit since. Uh, but that was just fun to watch him work and watch him get these things uh, delivered to him via text before it happened. And so ever since then, I've kind of just admired that so much that I like kind of knowing how it happens. Uh, having seen the sausage get made, as they say, like I, I sort of admire it so much that it doesn't bother me at all. Oh, NFL, it's a little different because you can have different websites uh, break the picks first, and, and it's kind of a race to see who gets it first. NBA, there's not as much suspense because you just know he's going to get every one of them first because that's how great of a job he does. But before we get into the draft, let's talk about something going on in the NBA uh, that, that could have an impact on the draft, may not. DeMarcus Cousins, if he, I guess if he gets traded, it will certainly have an impact because picks will likely be included. What are you hearing is the latest there uh, with the former Kentucky center? I don't know at this point because there seems to be quite a bit of division in terms of just how committed Sacramento is to keeping him or trading him. Uh, it seems like there may be some division there in terms of, you know, does George Carl, the coach, want him gone, but the front office want to keep him? Um, you know, it seems like based on the reporting that, that you've seen today that, you know, Carl is not at risk here. They're not going to fire George Carl in this scenario. Um, so are they going to trade uh, DeMarcus Cousins? It's just hard to say at this point. I imagine if they do trade him, it'll be to the Lakers for a bag of Tootsie Rolls because that <laughs> tends to be the way the NBA works. As somebody pointed out uh, today on Twitter, it's kind of amazing the NBA team's commitment to making sure the Lakers don't stay bad. Um, because it seems like whenever the Lakers really desperately need to make a trade, they get a great one. So, um, you know, this, this seems to be one of those scenarios where it doesn't seem to me the Lakers have enough to give up to get DeMarcus Cousins, and yet it feels like it might happen. And that, you know, if they're able to keep Julius Randle, I, I, I don't know how there'd be a scenario where they can keep Julius Randle and still get DeMarcus Cousins. But if they were able to do that, like you, like you hint at, 
uh, it's going. I, I think Kentucky fans are going to have a team that they're going to be able to jump on board on having Julius Randle and Demarcus Cousins on a, with Kobe on a team that's on TV seemingly every night, uh, despite how bad they were last season. It'll be interesting to see how that play plays out. And I and and we got a I got a text into the show earlier. Somebody wanting to ask this question. Uh, Brett, why do you why do you think Jeff Goodman of ESPN hates Demarcus Cousins so much? Um, I don't know. I mean, I know there are a lot of people who feel like Cousins is a difficult guy, that he's a challenge, that he can be um, corrosive to a team or to a coach or whatever. And then there are other people who feel very differently about him, who feel like he's he's a guy who really wants to win, who gets frustrated when things don't go his way. Um, you know, I, I, I can't know everybody's experience with him. Um, so, you know, I have a working experience with Cousins that is uh, it's not extensive. You know, really only covered him for a year. But he enjoyed that time covering him, didn't really have any problems with him. So I had a good experience. I don't know the extent of Jeff Goodman's experience with him or, or his ex- the extent of his experience with people around him and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I, I try never to speak about those things because I just don't know enough about them. Yeah, it, it's funny to see, you know, it, it, it's not just Jeff Goodman with DeMarcus Cousins, but it's funny to see people on uh, social media that obviously don't like somebody and will continue that hate for years and years. Uh, many people do it despite maybe not knowing them or being in the best relationship. Uh, we need to talk about some of the Kentucky players. Obviously, it looks like Carl Anthony Towns is going to go number one. Who goes second out of the U.K. groups of guys, and, and where do you imagine they end up? Yeah, it's odd because the draft is so weird every year, but seems particularly weird this year because I think there's so much uncertainty outside the top three um, that, that I, I don't know. I mean, I think right now my guess would be that the guy who goes second out of those out of that Kentucky group is probably Devin Booker, and he probably goes in that 8-9-10 range where it's like Detroit, Charlotte, Miami. Those teams are all looking for outside shooters. Um, but Charlotte has made a move today that might change what they're looking for. So now you hear, like, maybe Frank Kaminsky's more of an option for them there. And then there's a lot of talk about how much the Knicks like Trey Lyles. I don't think they're going to take him at four. But but if they trade, where do they trade? Do, do they maybe swap with Denver? If they do, if they're at seven, is that less of a reach? Maybe that's a possibility. Um, it, it's odd to me that Booker would go second in a way. Um because I feel like Lyles would be the more desirable player in a lot of ways. Uh, but it seems like it's going that way. It seems like Colley Stein now is going to be the third of, of those guys, or maybe even the fourth of those guys drafted. Um, so if I'm making a prediction, I guess I would predict Devin Booker. But things are still fluid. One pick that changes things, one trade that changes things, you just never know what's going to happen. And you also don't know, you know, I, I think Fran Braschilla made a point this week, nobody's really talking about Trey Lyles. Nobody said anything real good or real bad about him. And for Schiller's thought is that that means there's a bunch of teams that like him and they just don't want anybody to be saying anything about him. And there are a lot of smoke screens there. So he, he could end up going higher than people expect him to. Uh, Booker could end up being a guy who slides. It's really hard to say. And that is the, the NBA draft. It was crazy a few years back when Nerland Noel seemed like he was in the conversation for number one and then dropped a few picks, and that's just kind of the way that it works. Uh, you did mention Willie Cauley-Stein, and it does seem like he has dropped uh, ankle gate as, as I'm, I'm just now making it up off the top of my head, seems to really have negatively impact him. Uh, he's going to get drafted, and he's going to be in the first round, and I would, I, would, I would think he'd be in the lottery. I guess we'll see. 
but what kind of pro do you think he's going to be, despite where he's going to end up? You know, if you're a Willie Cauley Stein fan, you hope it's in a great situation for him. But what kind of pro in, in five years? What are we saying about Willie Cauley Stein? Well, I think it's a great question because he's ready right now to, to defend in that league. He can guard one through five. I think the question, and he's going to be obviously more comfortable on three and four. Uh, th- those are the positions he's going to be most comfortable guarding. But you can use him to switch. Uh, he can hedge. He can be on a primary ball handler, especially on a, on a switch. He can be, uh, you know, he can catch a guy on a pick and roll, and he's okay sliding over to that point guard um, or whoever is the primary ball handler in a pick and roll. Like, if he gets switched on to LeBron James, that's okay with him. If he gets switched on to Steph Curry, that's okay with him. He can do so many things defensively. But, you know, the question is just what he's going to be offensively, and is he ever going to give you anything other than kind of what Tyson Chandler gives you. That's the comparison people make. A guy who sets screens the whole game, uh, goes and catches a lob and finishes periodically, and that's really all he does. And the really key thing there is that takes a great deal of discipline and patience because it means you set a bunch of screens, you roll a lot, and you don't get a lot of touches outside of those situations. And in a lot of those situations, you don't get that lob pass. So, it's, it's, you're, you'd be a setup guy on offense who doesn't do much else. Is he going to get bored? Is he going to drift? Is he going to set those screens the way you have to and do it right and do it in a disciplined manner for an entire game, knowing he may not get very many touches and he might average six points a game? I think those are the concerns. I think what people wonder about with him is, because you saw this at Kentucky, he can drift. His effort when it's high is unbelievable, but it can be low. And so is he obsessed with winning and doing all the right things, uh, you know, all the little things right, particularly the offensive end? Uh, is he going to be real committed to those things? I think those are the big questions. I think those questions far and away outweigh the ankle because from what I hear, that's a real wide range. Some people are, are thinking he's ultimately going to have to have the screws repositioned in that ankle, and other people think that's not going to be an issue at all. So I think the much bigger concern is, you know, how much is he going to develop offensively? How committed is he to doing the things he has to do to get better offensively? Because he's not 18. You know, he's a guy who's been around college basketball and doesn't have a post move and doesn't put the ball on the floor really well. And so he's close to what he's going to be as a player. How much better can he get, particularly at that end? It'll be interesting to to see his development. I've I I certainly have some questions, not about his ankle, but about his offensive game and and exactly his ceiling in the NBA. Uh, but it'll be fun to see exactly where he lands tonight because whoever gets him will be getting the best quote of probably anybody in the draft. All right, so let's say you're drafting a, a team, and let's say you need you you need some guards and you need some big men. You need a little bit of everything. You don't need a wing player, Brett. Uh, are you taking, and you're, you've got the 35th pick in the draft, and you have to take one of Andrew Harrison, Aaron Harrison, or Dakari Johnson. Who are you taking? Who do you think will make the best pro during their long-term futures? I'm probably, if I'm if I'm faced with that situation, and what an odd situation that would be to have <laughs> draft board come down to those three guys. That's uh, not maybe the most realistic hypothetical. Um, I think I probably would take Dakari Johnson. Uh, and my theory behind that would be, not that I think is going to be a great pro, I don't, but I think my thought would be that 6'11", 260 is just harder to come by, and maybe I'd rather have him and figure out what I can make out of him. You know, I know that the, the ESPN, the Kentucky guys this year, their statistics are a little bit skewed because of the minutes 
on how how sort of spread out everything was offensively. But ESPN does a metric that basically says who's the most likely to be a big star in the draft, who's the most likely to be a big bust. Um, and so, like, for example, I think that uh, D'Angelo Russell is the guy who has the highest star potential based on their metric, but he's also fairly high in that bust category. The interesting thing about that is Dakari Johnson came out as the least likely guy to be a bust. He was the guy who basically, he may not be a great player, but they don't think he'll be a complete washout in the NBA. And so I can sort of see that. I think he's going to do what he can do. He's going to take up some space. He's a good rebounder. I think there's a value in getting a guy that size late in a draft. And so to me, because I, not only because of that, but because I don't think of the Harrison Twins as particularly good pros, that's probably the direction I would go. Interesting. Uh, and you, hey, you can't you can't criticize my hypotheticals. This is my radio show. I, I make my I can, own. I can do whatever I want. Uh, I'm allowed Captain, to do whatever I want. Captain Art tweets in when we're going to do another podcast. That's up to you, boss. Well, that's, uh, as I've told people who have asked, it's a little harder to get together in the summer. You know, like, for example, right now you're uh, in your palatial studio, wherever that is today, and I'm in a car. We can't really do a podcast that way. So uh, we have to find a place, a time when everybody can be together, and we'll work on that. <laughs> and we're speaking with Brett Dawson, CatsIllustrated.com. Last question before we let you go. Uh, Kentucky, Kentucky players aside, who is a, a guy maybe picked – Mid first round, late to mid first round, or maybe even the second round, uh, that that you would really want on your team, kind of a guy not on the top ten that people aren't are, aren't really talking about at this juncture. Um, for me, probably, uh, I think partially because of the way the league is going right now, partially because of my preference in players, and partially just because of the way I feel about this guy. I think R.J. Hunter would be like a, a really. Uh, he, he would fit that bill for me. I think that's a guy who's going to be a high-level shooter. Um, you know, th- there are some, you know, he's not dissimilar to Clay Thompson. There's some similarities in the things they do. I don't think he's as good a player. But I think if you're building a team right now, you need a little bit of diversity defensively, a guy who can do a couple different things, guard a couple different positions, maybe guard a point guard on occasion, but also would be really comfortable guarding a big wing. Uh, and then can handle, you know, pick and roll switches and do all the things that you want to be able to do in terms of being able to guard multiple positions, but then also is a really good shooter, a really high-level three-point shooter. Um, I just think that's a guy who you're going to be able to get, I think, mid to late first round, who, to me, is a great value pick. And that is, I'm I'm curious to see just how high he he will end up going. Uh, Why do you feel about Pat Connaughton? Because if he's not taken until... Uh, the mid to late second round, whoever's getting him is getting a, a steal. The only thing against him is that he's a, a, a senior, so he's a little bit older. I, I would maybe think about him late first round, and that, that, that would be crazy to a lot of these mock drafts. He's a terrific athlete. There's a lot to like about him. The thing I question about him is sort of the I, I wonder about him as a defensive player. I just don't know exactly who he guards. Uh, and I don't know about him guarding in a couple different spots on the floor. Uh, at his size, you'd really ideally like a guy who could handle, you know, being put on a point guard in situations when, when there's a switch. Uh, you know, like a guy who can not only guard the ball, but then also can chase a guy off the ball, uh, follow the guy who's going to go around screens. I just don't know about that stuff with him. I like a lot of what he does offensively. I really like his athleticism, which you tend to need at that level. But I do have some questions about his defense. 
it'll be interesting. And that's like you said, it's you, you watch these guys in college all year with the exception of a few international guys. And then you get to debate how they're going to do at the next level. And if the fits they, they find themselves in are, are the best for them. So I uh, can't wait for tonight. And I know you can't either. Thanks a lot for joining us, Brett and enjoy your, your busy Thursday. Will do. Thanks TJ. Thank you. It's Brett Dawson, catsillustrated.com. Uh, yeah, he, he covers UK, but I, I don't know anybody that knows the NBA better than him. Uh, so great person to have on today talking the draft and talking to some of those Kentucky players. Uh, we're going to head to commercial break. We'll come back one final segment. Remember, it's going to be a short show today. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, but we will uh, we'll be back one more segment. Plenty, plenty more to talk about. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Bus. What, what would you say you do here? Well, look, I already told you. I deal with the customers so the engineers don't have to. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. Can't you understand that? What the hell is wrong with you people? Now, back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back here one final segment on a short show, an NBA draft special. They're doing on locations for Inside the Press Box and Nick Coffee, so uh, you'll want to tune in for the, that show later on uh, this afternoon. Uh, and, spe- and, and it's a Louisville-driven show, and that's okay, and we need to talk maybe a little bit of Louisville. They released their new jerseys today, and Buzz, your girlfriend, woof. They are not great. Uh, and, and the jersey itself I actually am okay with, uh, but there's even some few problems with that. I don't really like the hip L. Also, I'm kind of out with the the gothic L. Um, it it, it kind of has ran its course, and, and I think Louisville maybe needs to, to switch to something else, but that's okay. It, I, I don't necessarily like the hip L on the jerseys, but it's not that bad. The jerseys themselves are fine. I think the front looks good. The back looks good. Uh, but even a problem with that is you knew they were going to do the wing the wing thing, Louisville's been hinting it out and uh, teasing it for a while. Adidas has been teasing it for a while. And my biggest concern was you got to be careful not to copy off Oregon. They've kind of done the wing thing. So you've got to be careful. Well, it, it looks a lot like Oregon's. But, okay, you, you know, the, even if it looks like Oregon's, it still looks it still looks good. So the jerseys actually look okay. It's the helmets where they just made a huge, huge mistake. If you just would have had the normal helmets, I think Louisville fans would absolutely love these jerseys. But instead, you put that big, ugly L on one side, and it's not. I just I don't like the curse of L. I think it's ran its course. And on the other side, you put this bird that is not the cardinal bird. It is some freakish, cartoonish, scary uh, nuclear bird because it's got green eyes and it's got its talons right there. Uh, Way too much going on on the helmet, and it, it didn't really turn out well. Uh, so Adidas, Adidas just can't seem to get it right for the most part. Uh, I don't, I don't know how Louisville fans put up with Adidas uh, and all their all their jerseys, but that's the look. They'll wear those jerseys against Auburn. We'll see if they wear them again, uh, and that's the the Louisville jersey update of the day. Uh, so NBA draft tonight. We talked a lot of Jamal Murray early on, but. We've got the draft tonight. I think that's what everybody's attention's turned to. Um, it's going to be a special night for a lot of UK guys. But in thinking that, I kind of, I, I kind of thought about myself. This also could be a pretty long and, and maybe somewhat disappointing night 
for a guy like Aaron Harrison, maybe even Takari Johnson, maybe even Andrew Harrison, the Harrison family as a whole, it, it could be pretty disappointing for. And it, it's just, it's kind of a shame because uh, they didn't have to be in that situation. Um, they, they likely could come back and improve their stock slightly. Now, with Kentucky having three guards, in hindsight, they probably could not. Uh, but if they decided they were going to come back beforehand, it would have just been Isaiah. It, it would have been a similar situation to what we had last season. And maybe their drop, their 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 stock couldn't have improved drastically, but it, it could have improved somewhat. And I just can't imagine that this night that they've been looking forward to for such a long time. Uh, you could have a guy like Aaron Harrison, who UK fans will never forget for his tournament shots of 2014. He could go the entire night not hearing his name, uh, and I know that'd be a bummer. And what I also know is I know the Harrisons probably aren't listening to this show, and even to Kari Johnson, uh, not that this matters, but this is something also you need to remember during the draft. It's better to not be drafted than to be one of the last 10 or maybe even 15 picks of the draft. It is better to go undrafted. Now, it might not be as fun. You're not going to hear your name called. You're not going to see highlights of you on ESPN, and uh, you're not going to have that moment. But being undrafted than being one of the last few picks is a much better deal because basically, if you get drafted and you're late, you get drafted in one of the late spots, that team owns the rights to you, and that's that. Either they like you or you don't. You're either playing on that team for the NBA to start the season, or you're not. And you're not playing on any team. Where if you don't get drafted, then you can see what teams need, who they want to work. You can go work out for who you want to work out for. You can see if you're a guy like Aaron Harrison, what team what team needs some guards? You don't want to go to a team that's overly guard heavy. Go to one that may need some guards and, and head over that way. It's a lot better to be undrafted. That's something to remember tonight. Big night for Carl Anthony Towns as he's going to get drafted number one by Minnesota. Wish that any other team really would have won the draft lottery and had that number one pick than the Timberwolves, but uh, they've got a great young team, and you know Carl Anthony Towns will be uh, beloved by everybody in Minnesota. He may be more popular than Teddy up there. Maybe, maybe not. We'll have to see. Uh, but I'm sure he's gonna gonna have a great career. Uh, this is kind of closing, at least from the UK standpoint of things, kind of closing the door on this class and saying goodbye to these players, and, and they're all players that I've interviewed before. And uh, while it's fun that they're doing that, it's also a little bit depressing that now, as soon as they sign their names with the teams that draft them, uh, they're going to just, despite being younger than me, be making just an, an, an insane amount of money. Uh, but they deserve it. So NBA draft should be a good time tonight. Uh, thinking and, and seeing if there's anything else I missed on uh, during the show today. I don't think that we did. Wish I had more time to kind of break down where I wanted these players to go. Uh, but if you're, it, it's it should be also interesting to see where Terry Rozier and Montrose Harrell go. They're likely going to be in the 20s in that range. I I, I guarantee that both will go in the first round. Um, and and when you get drafted in those late 20s, that's where you get drafted to good teams, playoff teams. So that could be a good situation for a guy like Montrose Harrell and, and certainly Terry Rozier. Uh, so keep an eye on on those Louisville guys. But you could have seven. Uh, you could have seven Kentucky players drafted. You could have two. Well, you could have five Kentucky players drafted in the first round or four players drafted in the first round. Let's just go with five. Two Louisville players, that would be seven. And then you could have Cameron Payne from Murray State drafted at 11. Uh, that is, that's eight guys that played college basketball in Kentucky getting drafted 
in the first potentially 30 picks. Uh, so that's impressive. Um, and that, and that's good news for, for basketball fans here in the Commonwealth. So thanks for listening today. Apologize for it being a short show. We will be back tomorrow. Uh, Trevor will be back tomorrow also. I want to thank Brett Dawson for coming on and talking some some NBA draft. Uh, draft Pat Connaughton, guys. I think he's going to be a great pro. You saw what he did against Kentucky in the Elite Eight. I think he's going to have a great career ahead of him. But thanks for listening. Enjoy your Thursday. Enjoy the draft. We'll see you tomorrow on 1450 The Sports Bus.